everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Today, we're looking at 1 Kings chapters 5 and 6 and 2 Chronicles chapters 2 and 3. They are pretty much a side-by-side like comparison of the same story. Um, but one is a little bit more detailed than the other. And some of this actually might feel like a little bit of deja vu as we are hearing a lot of the same um, types of vocabulary concerning the temple and what is inside of it. Some of the same uh, language that we've heard over and over again in past books of the Bible. Um, So today we're really just digging into Solomon's, I guess, uh, version of the temple. (laughs) It's like the only version of the temple. Well, yes, but he had it in a not so movable way. Yeah. That I, was what I meant about it. I think what's Gee interesting whiz. if you if you look at this reading, uh, one, I'm very happy to be out of Proverbs and <laughs> I mean, we'll be back we'll in Proverbs back. soon. Um what's interesting here is that if you look at it in terms of God's covenant, um, it just feels, even as you're reading it, that God's covenant is becoming more and more concrete and more and more secure. Right. Um, because you had mentioned right after we read that this is not a this is not a traveling tent anymore. Mm-hmm. This is not a um, tabernacle designed to wander around. This right. is now like a super a fixed ornate position. fixed position building in Jerusalem um, that is like. It's very fancy. There's mm-hmm. a lot of gold. <laughs> there's a lot of cedar. Uh, there's a lot of people that are involved in the construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So it started out talking about like this treaty that was put together with Solomon and the people of, help me, I forget the guy's name. I already uh, it was forgot the king it. of Tyre, Hiram. Yes, Hiram. That's it. Uh, and I thought it was kind of interesting because you kind of get like a little bit of like a historical look at how yeah. this would have come about um so they're like literally sending materials down a river to get to them Uh, meanwhile solomon is like sending men up to this area to hiram's land Mm -hmm. so that they can get the materials they need send them down the river and it was like in shifts of wasn't it like in shifts of like ten thousand men i believe that's what it was thousands upon thousands of people so it's really cool how it's like this guy Hiram is very interested in helping to build this this uh, temple, and he is more than willing to do so. And like, isn't it kind of interesting though? Also, that Solomon, the wisest of basically all time, is the one who's able to st- establish this relationship and like do it in such a way that like there are so many men. They're using the resources of the land. They're using the water to help them to build it. And it becomes like this incredible structure that is like known throughout history. I think that's kind of cool. Um, one of the things that becomes clear as you're reading, and I think it's actually called out in the text is that the Solomon had peace on all sides. Yeah. And that we read before mm-hmm. with David, that David had peace on all sides. And what that signifies is that God is granting them peace because of their obedience yeah. to his plans and his will and his covenant. And so this is a continuation of the theme that we've seen throughout the Bible, that when God's people obey God's commandments, God grants them peace. He grants them abundance. He grants them like basically whatever they need mm-hmm. um, to honor him and worship him. So here we have just, you know, I guess if, if you're like the original audience kind of reading through this, the question is like, wow, David has been such a great 
man of God and his sons have struggled so much. Like we've seen Amnon, we've seen Absalom. Yeah. Um, now it's like, man, is, what is Solomon going to be like? And you read these couple of chapters and it's like, oh, I think Solomon is going to be good. We've, mm-hmm. we've read him asking for wisdom. We saw that as good. Uh, now we're reading him being granted peace by God, being granted all the supplies, all the people, all the materials that he needs to build the temple. And like his concern is to make God's name great um, over his own for now. I was going to say, when does that shift, though? Because we know that this temple, as lovely as it is, does not remain. You were looking yeah, at this, some of those this is dates wild. earlier. So most likely Solomon was reigning somewhere around 900 BC. Um, there's different dates for different things, especially as you're, you're dealing with like BC stuff. Mm-hmm. So Solomon most likely was around 900. It could be a little bit earlier. It could be a little bit later. We know for sure that this temple that is being described was destroyed in 586 by the Babylonians. So Israel has like this terrible history um, where it just, it feels, if you were around when we were reading through judges, it feels like the judges, but on a grander scale where they have good Kings and they have bad Kings and the, under the good Kings, they thrive under the bad Kings, they suffer. And so we're going to see this cycle kick off after Solomon and the Northern kingdom of Israel known as Israel is going to be captured and carried off in 722 BC. So we're talking like 200 years from the time of Mm -hmm. the building of the temple. And then the southern kingdom known as Judah, uh, where Jerusalem is, is going to be conquered and carried off by the Babylonians in 586. Mm -hmm. And so God's cycle of judgment doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. And so when when the people are carried off from Judah, uh, the temple is completely destroyed. And that leaves the people wondering, like, does God mm-hmm. even care about us? Like he allowed his house to be completely ransacked. Well, which we'll, we'll see unfold. But it's interesting that that peace on all sides quickly like dwindles away. It, like, it erodes very fast. Piece by peace. Yeah. And the, the temple is widely known as like one of the most majestic things you could have seen mm-hmm. in human history mm-hmm. at that time. Well, because there's so many things now, even more so than the first time, like everything is overlaid with gold, yes. every single piece. Yep. And so I think that's really interesting too, because you hear a lot of the same language, like the, the pomegranates and the, mm-hmm. the, the red cherubim. and the blue and the purple and the chair. Yeah. But even, like more, it just seems more and more that it's just like on a much grander scale at this point. It does feel a lot like those couple of passages we read a long time ago uh-huh. where they're describing how to build the tabernacle, mm-hmm. who's supposed to set it up, who's supposed to construct it. Yeah. They, they needed a special person to come and build things. That was uh, Ohalab and Bezalel. They needed oh, to be <laughs> uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit so they could build and construct. Um, same thing happens here. We need a special craftsman to come and help with the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need the right materials. We need the right people. It's very specific in detail. But this is obviously just grander and more majestic. There's a mm-hmm. picture in our study Bible of what these cherubim in the back of the Holy of Holies looked like. They're huge. They're enormous. They're enormous. Oh, and the Bible would certainly make sure that you know. I mean, I felt like I was reading a kindergarten book at one point because it's like the one cherubim's wing is five cubits yeah. wide. The other is five cubits wide. Together, it's 10. Like, I feel like I'm reading a math curriculum. And and keep in mind, (laughs) most people would never see this anyway. Yeah. Because it's inside the inner court, inside the Holy of Holies. 
So the vast majority of people, I mean, I guess they maybe some people would have seen this getting constructed, but this is or like destroyed. The high priest sees it, and it's not for uh, just everybody to to see and witness, which is even more interesting because they pay a lot of detail to the things mm-hmm, that people mm-hmm. will never see mm-hmm. because they want to honor the God who has granted them peace on all sides. So we can see here, uh, the concept is that Solomon is known as wise. And what Solomon wants to do is he wants to bring his best to the Lord, to honor the Lord uh, by building God a house. David was not allowed, and now Solomon is able. And I think it's kind of difficult to think about your part for today, because today is literally just about like construction. (laughs) Um, But I think that concept of bringing the Lord your best might be Mm -hmm. a little bit of a stretch. Um, but I think that's applicable to us. I know that's applicable to us today. I was say, it, I it might be it a stretch to say that uh, building the temple is is a way to get there. Um, but I think it's it continues to be important to bring the Lord our best, uh, even in the things that we can't necessarily see or notice. Uh, we were talking about the the kindergarten book full of wonderful cherubim. Most people were never going to see that. And I think it's um, you can make a correlation that you should be honoring God. Um, with the best of your ability to, to the highest praise that you can give, even when people aren't going to notice it or see mm-hmm. it because God sees it. And I think that's the heart of Solomon here. Um, I think that's the heart of Israel here. And I think that should be our heart today uh, to honor God with everything we possibly have um, because we are thankful for him and we have been granted a lot of things by him that we would not have without him. So give the Lord your best today. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing, uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. First Kings chapter five. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram always loved David. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest from every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune, And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord said to my father, Your son, whom I will set your throne in your place, shall build the house for my name. Now therefore command the cedars of Lebanon to be cut for me, and my servants will join your servants, and I will pay you for your servants such wages as you set. For you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. As soon as Hiram heard the words of Solomon, he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, who has given to David a wise son to be over the great temple. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have heard the message that you have sent to me. I am ready to do all you desire in the matter of cedar and cypress timber. My servant shall bring it down to the sea from Lebanon, and I will make it into rafts to go by sea to the place you direct, and I will have them broken up there. And you shall receive it, and you shall meet my wishes by providing food for my household. So Hiram supplied Solomon with all the timber of cedar and cypress that he desired, while Solomon gave Hiram twenty thousand cores of wheat as food for his household, and twenty thousand cores of beaten oil. 
Solomon gave this to Hiram year by year, and the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty. King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all Israel, and the draft numbered 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They would be a month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the draft. Solomon also had 70,000 burden bearers and 80,000 stone cutters in the hill country, besides Solomon's 3,300 chief officers who were over the work, who had the charge of the people who carried on the work. At the king's command, they quarried out great costly stones in order to lay the foundation of the house with dressed stones. So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders and the men of Gebal did the cutting and prepared the timber and the stone to build the house. In the 480th year after the people of Israel came out of the land in Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build the house of the Lord. The house that Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. The vestibule in front of the nave of the house was 20 cubits long, equal to the width of the house, and 10 cubits deep in front of the house. And he made for the house windows with recessed frames. He also built a structure against the wall of the house, running around the walls of the house, both the nave and the inner sanctuary. He made side chambers all around. The lowest story was five cubits broad. The middle one was six cubits broad, and the third was seven cubits broad. For around the outside of the house, he made offsets on the wall in order that the supporting beams should not be inserted into the walls of the house. When the house was built, it was with stone prepared by the quarry, so that neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron was heard in the house while it was being built. The entrance for the lowest story was on the south side of the house, and one went up by stairs to the middle story from the middle story to the third. So he built the house and finished it, and he made the ceiling of the house of beams of planks of cedar. He built the structure against the whole house, five cubits high, and it was joined to the house with the timbers of cedar. Now the word of the Lord came to Solomon, Concerning this house that you are building, if you walk into my statutes and obey my rules and keep my commandments and walk in them, I will establish my word with you, which I spoke to David your father. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the house and finished it. He lined the walls of the house on the inside with boards of cedar. From the floor of the house to the walls of the ceiling, he covered them on the inside with wood, and he covered the floor of the house with boards of cypress. He built twenty cubits of the rear of the house with the boards of cedar from the floor to the walls, and he built this within the inner sanctuary as the most holy place. The house, that is, the nave in front of the inner sanctuary, was forty cubits long. The cedar within the house was carved in the form of gourds and open flowers. All was cedar, no stone was seen. The inner sanctuary was prepared in the innermost part of the house to set there the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The inner sanctuary was twenty cubits long, twenty cubits wide, and twenty cubits high, and he overlaid it with pure gold. He also overlaid an altar of cedar, and Solomon overlaid the inside of the house with pure gold, 
and he drew chains of gold across in front of the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold. And he overlaid the whole house with gold until the whole house was finished. Also, the whole altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary he overlaid with gold. In the inner sanctuary, he made two cherubim of olive wood, each ten cubits high. Five cubits was the length of one wing of the cherub, and five cubits the length of the other wing of the cherub. It was ten cubits from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. The other cherub also measured ten cubits. Both cherubim had the same measurement and the same form. The height of one cherub was ten cubits, and so that was the, of the other cherub. He put the cherubim in the innermost part of the house, and the wings of the cherubim were spread out so that the wing touched one wall, and the wing of the other cherub touched the other wall. Their other wings touched each other in the middle of the house. And he overlaid the cherubim with gold. Around all the walls of the house he carved engraved figures of cherubim and palm trees and open flowers in the inner and outer rooms. The floor of the house he overlaid with gold in the inner and outer rooms. For the entrance to the inner sanctuary he made doors of olive wood. The lintel and the doorposts were five-sided. He covered the two doors of olive wood with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. He overlaid them with gold and spread gold on the cherubim and on the palm trees. So also he made the entrance to the nave doorpost of olive wood in the form of a square and the two doors of cypress wood. The two leaves of one door were folding and the two leaves of the other door were folding. On them he carved cherubim and palm trees and open flowers, and he overlaid them with gold evenly applied to the carved work. He built the inner court with three courses of cut stone and one course of cedar beams. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv, and the eleventh year, in the month of Bul, which was the eighth month, the house was finished in all its parts, and according to all its specifications, he was seven years in building it. Second Chronicles chapter 2 Now Solomon purposed to build a temple for the name of the Lord, and a royal palace for himself. And Solomon assigned 70,000 men to bear burdens, and 80,000 to quarry in the hill country, and 3,600 to oversee them. And Solomon sent word to Hiram the king of Tyre, As you dealt with David my father, and sent him cedar to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. Behold, I am about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, and dedicate it to him for the burning of incense and sweet spices before him, and for the regular arrangement of the showbread, and for burnt offerings morning and evening, on the Sabbaths and the new moons and the appointed feasts of the Lord our God, as ordained forever for Israel. The house that I am going to build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. But who is able to build him a house, since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him? Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? So now send me a man skilled in work in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and in purple, crimson, and blue fabrics, trained also in engraving, to be with the skilled workers who are with me in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David my father provided. Send me also cedar, cypress, and algum timber from Lebanon, for I know that your servants know how to cut timber in Lebanon. And my servants will be with your servants, to prepare timber for me in abundance, for the house I am going to build will be great and wonderful. I will give for your servants the woodsmen who cut timber 20,000 cores of crushed wheat, 20,000 cores of barley, 20,000 baths of wine, and 20,000 baths of oil. 
And Hiram, the king of Tyre, answered in a letter he sent to Solomon, Because the Lord loves his people, he has made you king over them. Hiram also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who made heaven and earth, who has given King David a wise son, who has discretion and understanding, who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal palace for himself. Now I have sent a skilled man who has understanding, Hurum Abi, the son of a woman of the daughters of Dan, and his father was a man of Tyre. He is trained to work in gold, silver, bronze, iron, stone, and wood, and in purple, blue, and crimson fab fabrics and fine linen, and to do all sorts of engraving and execute any design that may be assigned to him with your craftsmen, the craftsmen of my lord, David your father. Now are therefore the wheat and barley, oil and wine, of which my lord has spoken, let him send to his servants, and we will cut whatever timber you need from Lebanon and bring it to you in ravs by sea to Joppa, so that you can make it up to Jerusalem. Then Solomon counted all the resident aliens who were in the land of Israel, after the census of them that David his father had taken, and there were found 153,600. 70,000 of them he assigned to bear burdens, 80,000 to quarry in the hill country, and 3,600 as overseers to make the people work. Second Chronicles chapter 3 Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David his father at the place that David had appointed, on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. He began to build the second month of the fourth year of his reign. These are Solomon's measurements for building the house of God. The length in cubits of the old standard was 60 cubits, and the breadth 20 cubits. The vestibule in front of the nave of the house was 20 cubits long, equal to the width of the house, and its height was 120 cubits. He overlaid it on the inside with pure gold. The nave he lined with cypress and covered it with fine gold and made palms and chains on it. He adorned the house with settings of precious stones. The gold was the gold of Parvame. So he lined the house with gold, its beams, its thresholds, its walls, and its doors. And he carved cherubim on the walls. And he made the most holy place. Its length corresponding to the breadth of the house was 20 cubits, and its breadth was 20 cubits. He overlaid it with 600 talents of fine gold. The weight of the gold for the nails was fifty shekels, and he overlaid the upper chambers with gold. In the most holy place he made two cherubim of wood and overlaid them with gold. The wings of the cherubim together extended twenty cubits. One wing was of the one of five cubits, touched the wall of the house, and its other wing of five cubits touched the wing of the other cherub. And of the cherub one wing of five cubits touched the wall of the house, and the other wing also five cubits, which joined to the wing of the first cherub. The wings of these cherubim extended twenty cubits. The cherubim stood on their feet, facing the nave. And he made the veil of blue and purple and crimson fabrics and fine linen. And he worked the cherubim on it. In front of the house he made two pillars of thirty-five cubits high, with a capital of five cubits on the top of each. He made chains like a necklace and put them on the tops of the pillars, and he made a hundred pomegranates and put them on the chains. He set up the pillars in front of the temple, one on the south, the other on the north. That on the south he called Jachin, and that on the north, Boaz. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.